According to Matthew, chapter 6. The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6. And we are going to find our scripture text starting at verse 22. The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6, starting at verse 22, you will find these words. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. I just want to <coughs> lift up as a theme for this passage of scripture today having eyes but cannot see Amen. having eyes but cannot see as we have dealt with in previous weeks we are dealing with a series of lessons on the mind the ministry, and the making of our Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We are, we are looking at a segment of Scripture now called the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount consists of chapters 5, 6, and 7. And in fact, it ends at verse 29 of chapter 7. But the Sermon on the Mount is also called the Manifesto of the King. In times past, we have discussed that Matthew is one of the Synoptic Gospels. The Synoptic Gospels being Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They basically talk about the same stories, but from a different perspective. And Matthew is writing to his audience to portray Jesus as king. A king of a kingdom that's not of this world. We find that 
Once again, when the conversation between Pilate and Jesus occurred, when Pilate asked the million dollar question, are you a king? Jesus says, rightly you say, but I'm not a king of this world. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it had been, my servants would not allow me to be delivered up. But my kingdom is not of this realm. The kingdom of God is 180 degrees opposite of the kingdom of this world. It doesn't operate according to the mandates and the dictates of this culture, of this civilization. But it has rules and regulations that transcend the operation of the world. Jesus says that I must go because the prince of darkness is here. But the truth of the matter is that he's just a puppet in the puppet show. Because he can do nothing unless God allows him. And the Bible says all things work together for the good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So we find that whether it's the ups or the downs, whether it's separation or joining, whether it's sickness or in health, that it's all working the good for us. Because God is all and all. There's no devil or no demon in hell that can separate us from the love of God. So the manifesto of the king is allowing us to know that these regulations and dictates transcend anything that the world has to offer. But in our text, we have been dealing with this expositionally in this text because we need to get an understanding of the the true context in which Jesus is speaking. So many times we deal with scriptures in isolation, amen, and we get some truth from them, but in order to understand the content of a passage, you must get it in the context in which it's placed. And the context of every verse of this particular passage of scripture is in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, the manifesto of Jesus Christ. So Jesus has been dealing with some peculiar issues as it relates to the religious leaders of his day. He's dealing with their hypocrisy, how they represent themselves as one thing to the public, but in private and in the insides, they are wholly something else. So before I begin to deal with the context and start to really unpack this text, I want to deal with some of the things that are in wording that's in this particular set of verses. When, When we look at this passage, amen, and we look at the lamp of the body is the eye. If there's some light that's going to get into our body, it's going to come through the eye. But I contend to you today that Jesus is not talking about the physical eyes you and I have, but the eye of the mind. Y'all do know that the battle is in the mind. Amen. There is a battle for our minds. Satan wants your mind because wherever your mind goes, that's where you will go as well. That's why in the verses preceding, he talks about treasures. He says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. If Satan can get your heart, your mind, and he can get your mind focused on this or that, that's not of God, your mind will be in a place and everything else will go with it. So we look at this text and we see that there is a real problem. That exists, and that's when you have eyes, but cannot see. Let's look at the text again. We, we see that if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye, if, if your mind is good, if your mind is right, then your whole body will be filled with light. See, that's what happens when your eye gets right. See, there was a time when each one of us was going our own way and we were walking in darkness because there was no light in us. But when our eyes had been made good, light shone throughout us, and then we began to do those things that we used to 
not do. Amen. In other words, we don't do the things what we used to do. We don't go to places we used to go. We don't say the things we used to say because now we got the light of God in us. But that comes to another contention in this text. When I preface or when I qualify the light with it being the light of God, Brother Wheeler, I see something else in the text. I see another light. When we look at the text, we, we see that in verse 23 it says, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness. Jesus is speaking in metaphor. He's speaking in metaphor when it comes to light. But he's also warning us that there's a real light and a counterfeit light. See, there's a light that this world can give, but it's really darkness. There are folks that think they're on the right path and they're doing the right thing today, and they're all the way off path. They think they're on the path to righteousness and life, but they're on that broad road unto damnation and despair. But only God can give you the true light. Satan is an imposter. Satan is a deceiver. And he also transmits light. But it's light of this world. So there's a contention, there's a conflict in this world that we live to where there is a fight between the good light and the bad light. And unfortunately, those with the bad light don't realize that they're in darkness. Amen. Only God can reveal to you where you are. Because I know for myself, I've got my own history and testimony to tell you how I thought I was going the right way and I was going the wrong. How I was spending energy and as Deacon Johnson would say, thought we was having a good time. In sin, doing what we thought we was doing, big and bad enough to do. And we was all wrong. We go to the club and the lights be bumping and things be thumping and we think we're having a good time. And all the time we're inching closer and closer to everlasting torments. But we didn't know it because our eyes were dark. But we had that false light, that deceiving light of the enemy, Satan. See, see, in those days, we never wanted to visit a graveyard at all because we didn't want to be reminded that one day we'd have to die. There are kids going along today that believe, I'm not going to die. I'm going to live forever. Satan's great deception. But we know from the word of God because we got the good light that is appointed on the man once to die and then the judgment. Amen. Oh, there's some death to come. I don't care who you are. Amen. You got to die. Amen. And so, so as we deal with our text, we start to look at it in its context. We start to see the structure of verses 22 and 23 as it deals with the issues of light and darkness. But we must realize that Jesus has had a time of speaking to these religious leaders, amen, about their hypocrisy. When you have eyes but cannot see, we find in this text that when you give, you give but you don't give for the right reasons. Amen. You have selfish reasons for giving for one reason or another, but not the selfless reason for pleasing God. Having eyes, but you cannot see. The text goes on to say that you can't pray like you're supposed to pray. You, you have a prayer life, and it may be periodic or it may be continuous, but you're praying for all the wrong reasons. The text says the folks was praying to get accolades from men, but not to reach and to talk with the Lord. I can see the Lord looking down on some of these religious leaders and saying, what is he doing? All these big words and long prayers and all this uh, uh, looking like they're going through and they ain't said a word to me. There's some folk walking around trying to be churchy, 
and that's all they really are. There's no relationship with God, but they just learn how to do and go through the motions. They learn how to dress up and put on their church clothes, and they learn how to say the uh, trite things, but there's no light in them. They're operating on what they've heard and what they've seen without a true relationship with Jesus Christ. And isn't it a sad day when you spend your whole life around the church, but you never end up in heaven? Because you spent your time doing things that were churchy, with never letting the church inside of you. You just thought it was good enough to do it the way you were doing it. My parents were this and their missionary. Mother was a missionary and my dad was a deacon for 30 years and all of this stuff. So I'm all right. If I just do what I saw them do, everything will be all right. No, because just doing is not the answer. You must have a real faith in Jesus Christ. There must be a dependence and a trust on God to do in you what you cannot do for yourself. Having eyes, but cannot see. We, we, we understand that Jesus has dealt with these hypocrites from the aspect of also fasting. They were fasting, but they were fasting for all the wrong reasons. They were fasting and they, they, they let themselves look disheveled. They let their hair look all kinds of ways and maybe took a little ash and put on their forehead because they wanted folks to see that they were going through. They wanted folks to see that they were suffering for the Lord. But the great deception was they weren't suffering for the Lord because the Lord didn't know anything about that fast. Because the Lord knew that they were fasting for the pleasure of men saying, oh, how devout they are. So some of us like to tote our Bibles and like to quote scripture so that we look devout in front of man. But only during those public times do we show ourselves to even look like we're Christians. But in those private times, when we really should draw close to the Lord, there's no drawing at all. Having eyes, but cannot see. When Jesus scolded them about their hypocritical prayer life, I like what Jesus did. He did not leave them there without instruction. Amen. If we look in our text, amen, and we look back here in verses uh, 9 through 13, amen, Jesus gives them the model prayer. We find through study, through the synoptic gospels, that we find this prayer once again in the 11th chapter of Luke. Amen. But if you look at the context, it's a little different. This time while he's giving it, he's giving it as instruction to the disciples, but also to also point out the hypocrisy in the prayers of the Pharisees. Because in chapter 5, my Lord and Savior says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, by no means will you enter the kingdom of God. That was a shocking statement for those people of that day because the Pharisees looked like the epitome of religiousness, the epitome of holiness because they were observers of the Sabbath day. They were circumcised on the eighth day. Amen. They were holders of the law. As a matter of fact, they had memorized all 613 laws and they knew them by memory. So the people were like, oh my God, how can we make it if we have to exceed them? And that's why Jesus goes through and shows them their hypocrisy. He says they look good on the outside, but they're whitewashed sepulchers full of excess and distortion. So as Jesus begins to give instruction, amen, in their prayer, he says to them, he says, he says, you ought to pray like this. He said, our father, which are in heaven, hallowed be your name. See, the first problem that they had is that the father that they said they had was not the true father. Jesus said, you say that your father is my father in heaven, yet you don't know me. 
And if you don't know me, then you don't know my father. He said, in fact, your father is the devil. Having eyes, but cannot see. He said, hallowed be your name. But see, the Pharisees wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted to be seen holy instead of lifting up God. They wanted to sit in the seat of Moses. They wanted to be applauded and accoladed instead of taking all of that applause and accolade and pushing it up to where it's supposed to be in the master. See, we have to watch ourselves when folks start uh, saying good things about us, amen. Before long, we're reading our own paper clippings, amen. And we are starting to think we're more than we are. We ought to get a right thought about who we are before we think too much of ourselves before we get tempted and fall, amen. So the text goes on to say, on earth as it is in heaven. One of the things is they, they, they had their own game on earth, amen, but it was not associated with heaven. See, that's the problem of having religion but no relationship. Religion without relationship is worldly. It's on earth, but it ain't coming from heaven, amen. Walking around here trying to look like somebody, but you're not really who you say you are. You're hypocritical. You, you're walking around here because it's the right thing to do. But the right thing to do without relationship is doing nothing at all. Yeah, it's the right thing to do, but there is no salvation except through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. You can't find salvation in works. You can't find salvation in doing the right thing. I don't matter how many old ladies that you help across the street, how many charities that you give to, if you don't have Christ in your life, then you're wasting your time. Amen. Amen. You might as well take that money and time and throw it into the river. Because there is no salvation except through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. If you don't have trust, and dependence totally upon Jesus Christ, if his spirit does not dwell in you, you are not his. And your works are works in vain. The text goes on to say, give us this day our daily bread. Now, first of all, God is the giver of the life-sustaining bread. The manna that fell from heaven, amen, was the manna that fed their bodies, but it was also instructional to feed their souls. God was teaching them that he is their all and all. Jesus Christ in the fourth chapter, amen, of Matthew said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And isn't it interesting in this life that whether saved or unsaved, none of us have a real issue except unless we're sick in some way with eating. Our bodies will tell us it's time to eat, amen, and we will get about eating. I mean, all of our fellowship and communion around one another is mostly around meals, amen. Amen, because it's necessary for our bodies to go on. But the sad state of affairs in this life is that there are many who feed their bodies on a daily basis but do not feed their souls. Having eyes but cannot see. See, the fact of the matter is, Jesus says, let them who have ears to hear hear what saith the Lord. Having eyes that you might see. Jesus is letting us know that there's a special condition that you have to be in in order to receive the word of God. And you have to have given your life and you must be born again. You must not be the same old sinful person that you once was, but your heart and your mind have to be changed. You have to have that old dead spirit and it has to be lifted up and put alive in Christ in order to receive revelation. Having eyes but cannot see. So, so many, so many who are churchy 
we'll be able to contend with the rigors of church life as it comes to services, but they really don't have an appetite for the word because they have eyes, but they cannot see. They have a problem because their body is not in shape to receive the word of God. So there's no appetite for the word. So therefore, they relegate that to something that they'll do if they don't have anything else to do. Having eyes, but cannot see. So there are many of us that are going in churches after churches who look good on the outside and are dressed up and look well, their bodies are in good shape, but their souls are emaciated. Their souls are in, in a famine because they're not getting the word of God. The Bible says study to show yourself approved, a workman that needed not ashamed. But so many of us, our Bibles just collect dust all week long. We dust it off enough to come to church and look churchy, but we miss the whole fact that we need to eat every day. You can't make it in the life of being a kingdom system with citizen without eating the bread of life. So the text goes on to say, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Too many, too many church folk that are walking around, amen, trying to live out this life, amen, are not realizing that they need forgiveness from God. They, they, they know that they don't do everything right, but they believe that the works that they do will balance out and God will accept them as they are. But the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. The, the Bible also says the wages of sin is death. There's some dead men and dead women walking, amen, thinking they're all right because they have eyes, but they cannot see. There, there are some of us that are harboring unforgiveness. We, we have gone around for years on a time with unforgiveness in our hearts about something somebody else has done. Somebody's gone on and they don't even remember what happened, but yet you are harboring those things, amen. And you are in a situation to where you're blinded by your own unforgiveness, having eyes, but cannot see. See, he, he was giving instruction to the citizens of the kingdom of God and to these hypocritical Pharisees to let them know that the kingdom of God is not like the kingdom of the world. This was a manifesto that was magnificent. This was something that was shocking to the communities of that day because they thought about things wholly different from a works theology perspective than a Christ theology perspective. Amen. And so what we see is but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You can't get yourself right. The text says that God is the one who delivers from the evil one. You're not going to get out the enemy's camp by your own slickness. By your own activities, by your own reasoning, by your own schemes, you need somebody more powerful than the enemy. Amen. And the only one that, that's like, that has that kind of power is Jesus. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Now there's the deliverer right there. But not crying out to the Lord to deliver, but you believe that you can do it on your own. Well, I'm a good person. Some people can't deal with the text that says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? People want to say, but well, that's some good in me. Amen. If there's some good in you, the best of it is as filthy rags, Isaiah says. Amen. We need a better good. We need a more excellent way. And the only way we're going to get that kind of good is through Jesus Christ. The Bible says it's through Jesus Christ that righteousness comes to man apart from the law, apart from your works. It has to come through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Have an eye, but cannot see. We must realize that the kingdom is his. We can't make up our own kingdom and our own paradise. Amen. 
The only paradise that's available comes through Jesus Christ. No one comes to the Father except they come by him. Amen. Nobody comes to God unless he draws them. So our dependence and everything else is on Christ, not on our works, not on our activities, not how we look, not how we get applause from folks, but it's on Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So Christ says to us here, he says, if you're living any other way except for dependence on me, you are utterly dark. Sometimes we say, well, he's out there, but he's on his way. Well, that's a dangerous proposition right there because you're either full of light or full of darkness. Amen. There's no straddling of the fence where I'm part the way in and part the way out. God says if you he wants rather you be hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, he will spew you out of his mouth. So we find that there's no uh, uh, straddling of the fence. You're either in or you're out. Amen. And while you're on your way or he or she is on her way, if she dies that day, guess what? There's a bed in hell waiting. Amen. So we don't want to play around with this. We don't want to play around like, oh, well, we're on the way. You either in or you out. Next week, Lord, if the Lord says the same, we will see how the Lord deals with serving two masters. Amen. Amen. And so as I close, I want to uh, encourage the saints of God, amen, and those who are around us in the churchy folks, amen, that there is a way out of this situation. You don't have to be dark any longer. There was one came down from heaven, and he had no sin in him. The Bible says that he came down through 40 and two generations. And he lived on this earth for you and for me. Living, he loved us. Dying, he saved us. Buried, he carried our sins far away. Rising, he justified and freed us forever. Oh, how safe. Oh, how safe am I. We must know that Jesus Christ is the only way. Because the story lets us know that he is the one who opened blinded eyes. He is the one who gave those who could not speak his word the ability to speak. He's the one who gave those who were deaf, he gave them hearing. Those who have a hear, ear to hear, let them hear what thus saith the Lord. But I must not stop there, children. I must tell you about the good news of Jesus Christ. I must tell you how he deliberated in the garden of Gethsemane. I must tell you how he prayed uh, that the cup be passed from him. But because of the love that he has for the Father, he said, not my will, but thy will be done. Ain't that good news, children? After a little while, uh, the Roman soldiers came and took my Jesus and your Jesus. They marched him from judgment hall to judgment hall. The Bible says that he went from Annas to Caiaphas, from Caiaphas to the Sanhedrin, from the Sanhedrin to Pilate, from Pilate to Herod, and back to Pilate again. Pilate was so distraught about the whole situation around Jesus that he tried to wash his hands of the whole thing. He told the people that I find no fault in him. But because he was fearful of the Jews, he still delivered up our Lord. But that's not the end of the story because they marched him down the Via Della Rosa down the way of pain. They marched 
pushed him outside the walls of Jerusalem to a place called Gargoth's Hill. That place is the hill of the skull. But my Bible lets me know that one Friday evening they put nails in his hands and they put nails in his feet. They hung him high and stretched him wide for you and for me. The Bible says that he hung on that old rocket cross from the third to the ninth hour for you and for me. I'm getting happy right through in here because the Bible says at the sixth hour darkness came all over the land. At that time Jesus is saying my God, my God why hast thou forsaken me? Well we find out because the holy God could not look upon unholiness. Jesus my Lord and your Lord was holding upon the sins of the world. He had other sins. He had Paulie's sins. He had Terry's sins. He had Wheeler's sins. He had Bond's sins. He had Shepherd's sins. Amen. He had children's sins. And they was on his shoulders. He had Penman's sins. He had Colin's sins. And they was on his shoulders. Ain't that alrighty? He had kids' sins. He had Johnson's sins. He had Stephen's sins. And they were on his shoulders. He had the other Wheeler's sins. He had the Randall's sins. And they were on his shoulders. He had the Dillwood's sins. He had the Butler's sins. He had the Mount's sins. And they were on his shoulders. He had the Williams' sins. And they were on his shoulders. Ain't that all right so I'm right happy up in here because I couldn't pay it on my own but the Bible goes on to let us know that in that ninth hour he died he died in our place for the sins that we could not pay and they took him down off that old rugged cross and they put him in a borrowed tomb somebody might say today why a borrowed tomb because he wasn't going to be there sister children very long the bible says uh, that he was in that grave all night Friday he was in that grave all day Saturday he was in that grave all night Saturday night but it was early early before the quickest began to sing it was early before the dew began to fall my Jesus and your Jesus got up with all power all power in his hand he got up with all power in his hand ain't that good news saints because that same power snatched us out of darkness and into the lights it took away our blindness and now we can see glory glory hallelujah he laid my burdens down good lord almighty and one of these days he's coming back for you and for me that where he is we shall be also ain't that good news saints praise his holy name for he's so worthy oh so worthy to be praised hallelujah praise the name of the lord amen 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 and right now if there's somebody here in the midst of this celebration, amen, who can say with genuineness, I don't have what you guys are celebrating. I, I, don't, I don't understand this relationship with Jesus Christ. The doors of the church are open, and I'm saying to you that Jesus wants you to be his own today. It won't cost you nothing because Jesus has already paid it all. He paid the ultimate price with his life. He died for you and for me. He took our place. And what he wants from you is trust and dependence. He wants you to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And believe in your heart that God has raised him 
from the dead and you shall be saved. You can come today. Give your life to Christ. Don't wait another minute, another second, another hour. Salvation is today. Come to the Lord today. Amen, sis. Amen. Today is the day of salvation. You can come today. You can get the new life that has peace and joy that surpasses all understanding. Today is the day. Come today. You can come today. Praise his name. This time of quietness yes, is in the house. Amen. Other than the phone ringing. Amen. You can come to the Lord right now. <laughs> All right, now. All right, thanks. Talk to me.
Amen. 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 None came, but there's still plenty of good room. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, saints of God. Amen. As we uh, prepare our hearts and minds for our benediction, amen. Once again, we're just so happy to see our visitors. Amen. 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 All of y'all, a hearty welcome to being here once again. Some we've seen before, some we've just met for the first time. And it's been a good meeting. Amen. amen. The children's family. Amen. I mean, it's a mother and sister children's best friend, right? Amen. Amen. It's good to get to meet you guys. Amen. And we know if we're ever in Baltimore area, we got some place to be. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, if all hearts and minds are clear, amen. Good to see Sister Christian. Oh, amen. <laughs> amen. Well, we're going we to we just fix you up real good then. Amen. Amen. Be back and let's sing some happy birthday. Amen. amen. To our sister, our friend. Amen. <laughs> sister Christian. Everybody, y'all ready? Amen. Happy birthday to forgiveness of sins, O oh God. Thank you for a right to the tree of life, O oh God, through your darling son, Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you so much for everything we have seen and heard on this day. Lord, bless the saints of God near and far, visitors and home. Lord, bless our communities and every church that is called in your name, O oh God. Lord, we thank you for being so gracious and so merciful to us, O oh God, that we'd have another chance to lift up your holy name. Now, Lord, as you give us more time, oh God, if you so desire, Lord, help us to be good missionaries, good ministry people in this world, given every opportunity to tell somebody about the good news of Jesus Christ, because the night is far spent and the day is at hand. Lord, we thank you in advance for what you're already doing, oh God. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, as we prepare our hearts to give in our tithes and our offerings, Lord, we ask that we give as cheerful hearts, O oh God. And those who are responsible for managing it, Lord, let them manage it according to the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you so much for just the opportunity to be part of your church. Lord, that one of these old days, and it won't be very long, 
You're going to look for us. Some folks will, and we'll be gone. We'll be gone to be with you forever. It'll be howdy, howdy, and never goodbye. Lord, so bless the offering, Lord. Bless the people as we go to our various destinations. And we want to give you all the praise and all the glory. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus and the whole church saying, Amen. Please be seated and obey the ushers. God bless you and God keep you.